0: This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hey, are you golfing today? Yeah. It's the second time this week. But you said it was fine. It is fine. It's perfectly fine. Are you confused by female behavior? Wish you had a translator to understand what she means? Well, you're in luck. Introducing the Manslator, a revolutionary device that translates woman language into simple man words. Finally, the power to know what she means. Okay, cool. Let me just check with my wife. Hey, babe, a tea time open up later. You mind if I go? Fine. If that's what you want to do. No go. Stay home. On second thought, I think I'll just stay here with you and watch The Notebook. Aw, how sweet. Now that's more like it. The Manslator uses emotion deciphering technology to help you out of the toughest jams. Hey, is everything okay? You sound upset. Why would I be upset? Forgot anniversary, jerk. Oh, no way. Happy anniversary, babe. You remembered. Come on, of course I did. (laughs) Fellas, don't we wish we had one of those, amen? (laughs) Well, I wanna say good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord, amen? if you're visiting with us for the first time we want to let you know that you are our honored guest and that you're always welcome to this church whenever the doors are open we believe that you've come to the right place because i don't think you'll find a finer church in all of mission viejo and you can probably understand and and figure out that today we're going to be talking about relationships in particular we're going to be talking about marriage. Love and marriage is the title of our message for today. I want to give a, a very special uh, hello to Alicia who is watching from afar this morning. Uh, she's going to be embarrassed that I'm doing this but I'm doing it anyway. Alicia hurt her back uh, on Saturday so she's at home and not with us this morning. So Alicia we want to say we love you and uh, get well soon and come back with us okay. So Uh, If this is your first time with us today and you haven't been a part of this series or you're new and coming in, I just want to fill you in on what we've been talking about uh, this month. So this month we have been uh, studying a, a, a series of sermons or lessons on the Sermon on the Mount, okay? And the Sermon on the Mount is the greatest gospel sermon that has ever been preached. And we're actually studying Matthew's account of the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew chapter 5, uh, six and seven. So, in part one of this sermon series, uh, we talked about how to live a blessed life by examining the Beatitudes. And in the Beatitudes, Jesus gives his disciples some very simple principles to follow on how to live a blessed life. And then, in part to- part two, we talked about Jesus calling us as disciples to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Okay. And then last week we talked about anger. And this week, today in part four, we're going to be talking about love and marriage, and hence the video this morning. I really wish I had one of those. I live with three ladies. It would be very beneficial to me. If you have your Bibles this morning, open up to Matthew chapter 5. And I'm just going to ask you to follow along with me in Matthew chapter 5 as we look at verses 27 through 32. And, And Mike, you don't have to follow along with me on the slides just yet. I want you guys to open up. Uh, Take your physical copy of the Bible or your tablet or your phone and follow along with us as I read Matthew chapter 5 verses 27 through 32. Scripture says this, You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Verse 31. It has been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you, that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness causes her to become an adulteress, and anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. Now, I've been struggling, right, because I'm working my way through the Beatitudes, and you know, we read a lot of material up to this point that is really kind of encouraging and and exciting. We're called to be salt and light. We're called to uh, embrace the Beatitudes. Last week, we talked about how to control our anger, and then we get to this material that is difficult and hard. As we talk about marriage and divorce and problems within marriage and what i understand is especially down in this region this is a very difficult subject to talk about and to handle as i look across the auditorium this morning there are many of you here who have never been married right some of you have been married and your spouse significant other has passed away there are some here that are happily married and been married for years There's some of you that have been married and had a divorce for whatever reason and remarried. So I know that we run the gamut this morning and people are in different places. So I hope and pray that all of us are able to get something from this material this morning. But what I do know about this material and this region of the country that we live in is that this is a heavy, heavy topic, heavy, heavy subject. So I want you guys to bear with me as we try to work through some of this material this morning. First slide, Mike, Matthew 5. 27. As we understand uh, this principle and this text here, as we exegete it together, uh, we know that Jesus here in in this verse is making reference to the Mosaic covenant, and he brings his followers into remembrance of the seventh commandment. And we all know the seventh commandment. If you go back to Exodus chapter 20, I believe you look at the text there, the seventh commandment says, do not commit adultery, and this commandment is so important that I think that God places it strategically within the Ten Commandments on purpose. It's so important, in fact, that it was placed between murder and stealing, as you look at the Ten Commandments. Adultery was something that you did not commit or did not do. Now, the root word for adultery comes from this Latin word that means to alter or to change. When adultery occurs, God's design for the husband and wife relationship is changed forever, right? So Jesus takes it another step. He said, look, you've heard that it was said don't commit adultery, and then Jesus takes it to a further step to really spell out the importance of marriage keeping the relationship together he says look but i tell you that if anyone looks at a woman lustfully he has committed adultery with her in his heart jesus takes it a step further to make sure that this egregious sin of adultery is not named among his people if you have your sermon outline you'll take it out of your bulletin and you can follow along with us and One of the words that I want to focus on this morning is this taboo word that we don't like to use within our fellowship. Uh, It's this word lust. And as I begin my studies on this word lust, what I found is that the word lust is actually similar, very similar to this word covet. Lust and covet are almost the same thing. And these two words can often be used interchangeably. And if you look back at the Ten Commandments, the Tenth Commandment, in the Tenth Commandment, we're told not to lust or to covet our neighbor's house, our neighbor's wife, their servants, their oxen, or anything that belongs to someone else. So when we use this term lust or covet, it means that you are desiring something that does not belong to you or something that can lead you into a lifestyle of sin. So lust. And coveting is not just used in the sense of lasciviousness, if that makes sense, right? Lust and coveting could be seeking something or anything that leads us to a lifestyle of sin. And that's why we're called as Christians to make sure when we get in those positions where we're coveting or we're lusting or we're being tempted by something, to make sure that we avoid it and to stay away so that we... Don't end up making mistakes and separating ourselves from God. So if you look on your outline this morning, I want to I give you four methods, in my opinion, that you can use to avoid lust or uh, coveting something, okay? So I want to give you four principles, and I use these principles, and I'm hoping that uh, they can help you out in whatever Place you find yourself in, or whatever situation you find yourself in, maybe you're being tempted by something, or lusting after something, or you're coveting something. These principles, I believe, will really help you whenever you get into that space and that time, and Satan's really trying to work you. Okay, so hopefully this will apply to everybody, just not you know, not just married folks this morning. Okay, so so the first point is this: if if we're going to avoid lust, I think we need to do this. We need to rouse our anger. You need to rouse your anger. Last week, we talked about angry thoughts and angry words and angry actions. And I, I, I remember scripture says that in your anger, don't sin, right? And we gave you some, some examples of when Jesus looked like he was angry in scripture. And when Jesus was angry in s- scripture, it was usually because sin was present, right? So we remember that Jesus went into the temple and overturned the tables, right? Because he didn't like what he saw. Remember the, 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 the temple account when the man had the shriveled hand and Jesus held his hand and the people were, were bothering Jesus about doing good on the Sabbath. You remember Paul when he wrote the church in Corinth. There was some sin in the camp and Paul wasn't too happy about sin, about what was going on there. So in my opinion, whenever we're tempted we should get upset. Why would Satan put this our way to try to cause us to sin and to turn our lives away from the Lord, right? And I think this can apply in any and every situation that you find yourself in. Whenever something is in your way and it's designed to draw you away from the Lord, you should get upset about it, right? So when I turn on the TV, and I see misogyny, and I see lasciviousness, I don't go, oh, that's just the way the culture is today. Let me turn the channel. I get upset when I see it. This is ridiculous, right? This is wrong. It's not right. Or when I turn on the radio and I hear that content, or when I turn on the news and I see this, I get upset because it's not right. And because I'm upset, it causes me to want to stay away from it. So if you ever find yourself in a place of being tempted or you're lusting or you're coveting, rouse your anger and it will help you tremendously. Here's another thing that we can do when we get into these predicaments. We need to remove the temptation. Amen? Jesus says in this text, look, if something is causing you to sin, gouge out your eye. If your eyes are causing you to sin. Now that's extreme, okay? Or or, or if someone's calling you, you say, cut your hand off and get rid of it. All Jesus is saying here is remove the temptation, right? I have a problem with sugar. I do. I really do. And I'm really trying to cut a little weight. So I'm going to the gym. I'm working hard. But the problem is I have a two-gallon bucket of ice cream in my freezer. And it's cookies and cream. Amen. It's my favorite kind. So I go to the gym and I work out really hard. I'm lifting weights, sweating, and I come back and I say, "Oh, this was a good day, good workout." And then I open up the freezer and I see that big tub of ice cream, and you know what I do every single time? I have my half a cup, my one serving, and then I have my second serving, and then I have my third serving. You see if I want to stop that, that's a temptation to me. I got to get rid of it, right? I got to get rid of it. Remove the temptation. Throw away the red vines and the cookies and cream ice cream. Amen. Remove the temptation. If you have a problem with gambling, don't go to Vegas. Amen. Right? Right? Remove the temptation. Right? If you have a problem with profanity, don't hang around people that use that language all the time. Right? And some of you guys grew up in that your family talks like that so it's hard right get away from it if you have a problem with alcohol don't go to the liquor store to get milk i mean it doesn't make sense right remove the temptation That's what scripture says another point is is that sometimes you're in situations where you can't remove it and i understand that you can't remove it so the scripture tells us that we should flee from sin. So another point is if you're trying to get away from this stuff, you've got, you just got to run. You remember the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife, right? Potiphar's wife said, Joseph, you sure are good looking. I don't know if she said it that way, but I'm just saying she, right? And Joseph said, I'm out of here. And sometimes sin just shows up, temptation just shows up. You can be minding your business and, and, and that, that thing that you deal with is right there. Scripture says, run away from it. Don't play around with it, right? And then lastly, here's one that I always remember that helps me out, is when it comes to lust and coveting and temptation, I always think about the consequences, right? Always think about the consequences because in my opinion, whenever you involve your life in sin, there is both punishment in the flesh and spiritually. And many of us, we understand this concept. When, when you involve your life in the lifestyle of sin, there is punishment. There is consequences, even if you thought you got away, right? There's always consequences. i always remember this story. I'll tell you what, I was in high school and I had the poor habit of sneaking out of my house. Um, so I was about 17 years old at the time. We were living in West Point, New York, and I lived in this upstairs room, and there, there was this balcony that I could just hop out of my window, right? And I don't know why I enjoy sneaking out. I just enjoyed sneaking out. It was something about the rush of it. And you know what we would do? We would sneak out and we would just go hang out the, at the park. That was it. We, we didn't do anything else. We just snuck out and we're like, yeah, we made it. And we t- hang out at the park and just talk. And then when we got tired, we went home, right? So that's how bad I was growing up, okay? I thought that was just... One day I snuck out of my house and I was at the park talking and I heard someone say, Jason, there goes your dad. And I turned around and my dad was right there looking at me with his arms crossed. He said, hello, son. I said, hello, father. And guess what he did? He just walked home. I was shaking in my boots. I was shaking. So I went home and I was expecting my dad to be in my room waiting for me or something. He wasn't there. I went to sleep that night. I woke up and I came downstairs. My dad was getting some coffee. He said, hello, son. And I said, hello, father. Right. He never disciplined me, but I tell you what, I never snuck out again and did that. Right. Right. You got to think about the consequences. Sometimes we involve ourselves in sin, there are consequences. And oftentimes when we get in those positions, I think about the consequences and it keeps me from that lifestyle or that thing that I don't want to be involved with. Matthew chapter 5, verse 32 says this, But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. The reason why I bring up this passage is because I think it it talks about the importance and the sanctity of marriage. Scripture communicates to us that God does not want husbands and wives to divorce. This speaks to the sanctity of marriage in the eyes of God. Marriage was God's idea from the very beginning. He came up with the concept in Genesis. God's definition of marriage does not change and will never change. Marriage is is a sacred institution. And the way that God defines marriage is he says marriage is between one man and one woman for life. And that's it. But America is trying to change the definition of marriage. And the reason why I think America is doing that is because that marriage is not sacred to most Americans. And you know how I know that? Because of shows like The Bachelor and Who Wants to Marry a Millionaire? And uh, am I right about it? Marriage is not sacred to most Americans. And what we know is that divorce is a huge problem even within the church. Mary and I went to Harding University and we have this saying, and the saying is one swing and a ring, if you went to Harding, right? They have white chairs all over the campus, white swings. And what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to take your girlfriend to that white swing and swing with her on the swing. And if you swing once, that means you're going to get married. That swing twice, you're supposed to give her a ring, right? And that was the concept. So we had all our friends at Harding getting married around the same time we did. One couple is still together. That's it one couple. Out of all our friends got married, one couple is still together. And I'm going, divorce is a huge problem in America, even within the church. They say 50% of all marriages end up in divorce. And what God says in this text is, look, divorce is only authorized, and it has this uh, principle here, it's only authorized when marital unfaithfulness occurs. That's what I read in my Bible. That's how I interpret it. That's the clause here, that's the exception. But you know what, we divorce over in anything and everything today, right? Over money, over politics, over where to live, so forth and so on. And God says, look, I I don't like that. I want one wife, one husband, one wife together for life. One man, one woman together for life at all costs. And for those of you who have been married for years and years, you know, and I say years and years, I just leave it there, okay? I don't. But anyway, some of you have been married for a while, and as I talk to some of you, you tell me, you know, the reason why we're still together to this day is because we honored our covenant. Because there are times where I didn't really like my husband, <laughs> and there are times when the husband says, I always love my wife, right? There's never been times where you didn't like your wife. I know that, right? Wives can say it all the time. I didn't like my husband, right? Anyway, I'm just poking fun. But the reason why we stay together is because of that covenant that we made before the Lord, right? No matter how bad it gets, we honor that covenant. You know, the other thing that I think about in this text is, as I read this, it seems to me that Jesus was talking to men. You notice that? In this text, it seems that Jesus was talking to men. Look, if you lust after a woman, or if you see a woman, he lusts, so that's man, right? But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, so God right here, Jesus, seems to be talking to men. And the question I had is, why is Jesus specifically talking to men here? Here's my interpretation for what it's worth. Men are called to be the head of the household. I know I'm young, but I come from the old school, (laughs) right? I think it's my responsibility to take care of my wife and my children. It's not her responsibility to take care of me, in a sense, right? But it's my job to provide and protect her, right? So if a burglar comes into the house, I'm not going to say, Mary, go get him, right? Right? I'm going to go up there, I'm going to knock him out, right? <laughs> right? It's my job to have the milk in the, in the cereal, in the cupboards, in the, in the food, in the refrigerator. I take that seriously. I provide for my family. And I think that's what God wants from his men. You provide for your wives and your chi- wives, your wife and your children. <laughs> you do that. <laughs> Whoops, now just <laughs> You provide. Scripture tells us that um, women are their weaker vessel and what that means is not emotionally, not 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 uh, spiritually, not intellectually, right? It means physically. God made women smaller and more frail than men for the most part, often, and men have bigger muscles most of the time and are stronger physically. So by very nature, I think God pr- tells us that men, look, you're supposed to take care of the ladies. That's your responsibility. You can't shirk that, right? That's my interpretation. That's Darden. Anyway, I'll stop right there. So why is God talking to men? Well, I think men are the head of the household, but here's another principle according to Jewish law the man was the one responsible for filing the divorce and the reason why that was is because during this time period women had no rights during this time period women were treated like property and if you look throughout the Old Testament you see some of those principles there right fathers could sell their daughters right Women had no rights. They were treated as second-class citizens. So that's why Jesus here is talking to men because the woman just couldn't go to court and say, hey, I want a divorce. They wouldn't recognize it because she had no rights. So Jesus here is specifically speaking to men. Next passage, John chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. Again, talking about the sanctity of marriage. Jesus encounters this woman at the well and (laughs) Jesus was having this conversation with her about living water and about uh, some principles there. And, and Jesus said, hey, I want you—we're talking, and, and, and you're a woman, and I'm a man, and that's not really supposed to be, so what I want you to do is I want you to go get your husband and tell him to come in, all right? And then she said, Jesus, well, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you've had five husbands— And the man you now have is not your husband. And she said, well, what you said is quite true, actually, right? I I just find this humorous, this passage. And the reason why I find it humorous is that this woman was on her sixth man, sixth relationship. She had five husbands, and then she was in a sixth relationship, and the man that she was with was not even her husband, right? So she was in a huge mess. And what I want to say about that is oftentimes, Inside the church, outside the church, we find ourselves in huge messes when it comes to relationships, when it comes to marriage, divorce, remarriage, all that good stuff. It it, it gets tricky at times. And I know that for some of you, it's hard. How do you process all of this? Some of you have been married a couple of times. I'm not, but I just know relationships and marriage and divorce, it gets tricky and mucky sometimes. I get that, right? Jesus still spoke to her. What about this one? What about this one? John chapter 8, verse number 11. The story goes that there was a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Caught in the act of adultery. And the Jewish leaders grabbed her and took her before Jesus. And you know what the penalty was for adultery in the Old Testament. You were to be put to death. And it was usually by stoning and you know what stoning was, right? Here's what they would do in the process of stoning. They would dig a ditch, typically, and they would put the person inside of the ditch, and they wouldn't take little pebbles. They would take boulders and rocks and throw it on the person until they died. Gruesome, right? But that was the penalty. So they caught, this woman was caught, the, and they brought her to Jesus and said, Jesus, look, she was caught in this act. What do we do? And Jesus said, right? Remember, he started writing on the ground. You remember the story, right? And he said, he who's without sin, let them cast the first stone, right? Because in their mind, this was the most egregious act that you could ever commit. But Jesus said, look, all of y'all got sin in your lives. All of us got sin, right? And then Jesus says in verse number 11, he asked her a question, who is here to condemn you and she said no one sir and jesus said neither do i condemn you jesus declared now go and leave your lifestyle of sin so what i'm saying about divorce marriage remarry all that good stuff we know we struggle with that in the church of christ right that's that's a big one you can't be an elder for this reason or you have this problem and we just i mean what i read in this text is that jesus has the ability to forgive and repair any situation that you find yourself in but he gives his clause. If you're willing to leave that lifestyle that is contrary to the will of God, all right. So all I'm saying about that is no matter where you find yourself this morning, maybe you're struggling through a divorce right now or having hardships in your marriage or whatever the case may be, Jesus is there to help you through that situation. And you may have done some things wrong, right? The scripture says when you ask God for forgiveness and you repent of your sins, he'll forgive you. And he'll work it out just like this situation. So as we close uh, this morning, here's what I wanted to do. As I was thinking about some practical application, something that I can leave you with uh, as we talk about love and marriage, as Jesus spells out the importance of it. So, so this, this is going to apply to the husbands and wives this morning, right? So if you're not married or if you find yourself single, or uh, just bear with me. But I'm talking specifically to that group this morning, okay? And hopefully you can find some value and find some ways to, to make this fit your context or situation where you are, okay? So the question I have this morning as we close is how can husbands and wives love and respect each other more this week, right? I think you can never go wrong by asking that question, right? and really trying to figure out ways to really love and respect and cherish one another. So if you're married this morning, first of all, look at your spouse and say, I love you. That's the first one. Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. I love you, dear. I love you. That's great, great, great. Um, I know that's kind of it. If you're not married this morning, you could turn to your neighbor and say, well, I'm just trying to figure something out, right? Say to the Lord, I love you, right? Or, there we go. I don't want to leave anybody out this morning. <laughs> But this morning, here's what I want you to do. How can husbands and wives love and respect each other this week in a better way? Number one, here's, here's what we got to do. We've got to find common interests. We've got to find hobbies and enjoy them together. That's, that's huge, right? That is huge. What do you guys like doing together that's a hobby that you, can, that you can do together, right? One of the things that Mary and I used to do is we used to play tennis, right? And then she used to beat me so bad that I got mad and I didn't want to play anymore. So, we had, to switch, we had to switch hobbies, <laughs> right? So we found a hobby that we really enjoy doing, and we really enjoy uh, making music together. It sounds so, you know, but we really enjoy making music, writing songs together, and, and that's our hobby, and we just really connect with each other on that. So husbands and wives, I really encourage you to find some hobby that you enjoy doing together and do it. It's awesome. It's fun, right? And will you fuss while you're doing your hobby? Of course you will, right? It's not going to be all peaches and cream, right? When Mary and I are doing our hobby, we fuss all the time. You're not doing it right. Well, you're not doing it right, but does is, you're enjoying something together, right? <laughs> right? And then at the end of it, you're like, wow, after all the fuss and fight and all this, it, that was kind of fun, wasn't it? That was fun. So I would encourage husbands and wives, find a hobby and, and, and do that hobby this week together. Here's another. This one, is good, right? Surprise your spouse with something special this week. Maybe it be a gift, maybe it be a meal, maybe it'd be surprise your spouse with something this week, right? And I don't want to sit up here and, and brag on my wife all day, but I, I have to sometimes because she's, she's, she's awesome. You know, when I'm having a bad day and she knows I'm having a bad day, sometimes I'll walk into the house and I'll smell this aroma of cinnamon and brown sugar and I know that she's making oatmeal raisin cookies, right? And I walk in, I say, yes, Lord, my day just changes, right? And for Mary, if she comes home, she had a rough day at work and she's tired and she walks in the house and she notices that all the dishes are put away. She goes, I love you, I love you, right? You put the dishes away and the house is clean. So I would encourage you to surprise your spouse by doing something. And here's one that I wanna leave you with that I th- think is really important. Uh, you-, you still gotta date your spouse. Don't ever forget that one, right? Date your spouse. I know it's so hard sometimes, husbands and wives. You're, you're married and both of you are working, right? And you get off work about 5 or 6 o'clock. You're tired and all you want to do is stay home, watch the news, eat, and go to bed. Right, I get it. But you always have to remember to date your spouse. Take them out somewhere nice, somewhere special. Give the kids to grandma and grandpa or, or somebody else, And make sure you go out on a date from time to time. And I think that will build love and respect. And here's the last one. If you get into disagreements or arguments, let yourself be wronged. Men, okay? And I'll just (laughs) leave it like that. Talking to men. And the reason why I say that is because God calls us to be the leaders, right? And we have to treat our ladies with respect and we have to be gentle, and we have to be kind, right? So I'm talking to men this morning, let yourself be wrong sometime and see what it does. It really blesses and benefits the relationship. And I watch some of our couples that have been married for 60, 70 years, I watch the men, right? And they go, hey, I, hey she can do whatever she wants to do. I don't have anything to say. Been married long enough. I know not to say something, right? And that's all I'm saying. I'm watching some of our seniors. They know when to say, fellas, you got, I'm taking notes, right? Don't say anything sometimes. Let yourself be wrong, man. By way of invitation, there may be someone here that needs to respond to the message this morning, in particular when it comes to the area of being tempted, drawn away, lust, or uh, coveting something, and you've been falling short, and Satan's really been messing with you or bugging you, and you need help. We invite you during this time to come forward. The church will pray with you, pray for you. Maybe there's some couples here this morning, husbands and wives, that your relationship hasn't been the greatest as of late. You've been going through bumps and bruises. You've been having a hard time. This invitation is for you. The church is here to encourage you, to help you through that, to build you up. And God will help you through whatever you're going through, right? He'll help you through it. So this invitation is for you. And also this morning, if you're not a Christian, The question I have for you is why not? The greatest decision that you can ever make is to become a Christian. And you can do that this morning by repenting of your lifestyle of sin, of being baptized in water. And we have a baptistry ready. And then when you get out of that water, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and you'll be on a mission for God. And it's a powerful, life-changing mission. Jesus said, I came to give you life and give it to you in a full capacity, in a full way. So whatever your needs or concerns are this morning, we invite you to come together while we stand and sing the song of invitation.